So today is the final Sunday that the Reverend Dr. Violet Lee will be a member of the Christchurch staff. And my goodness, is that a difficult thing to say? And a difficult thing for all of us to contemplate. Reverend Dr. Lee has been on the ministerial staff here at Christ Church as the uh, executive minister of program, and uh, she has occupied that role for the last seven years. And I'm telling you something that you already know when I say that Violet's leadership and her ministry has been instrumental in making our church's ministry more faithful and more dynamic and more creative and more effective. You know that as well as I do. In fact, you know that better than I do. You've experienced it over the last seven years. I met Violet for the first time about a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, when we had arranged a Zoom conversation after my appointment to Christ Church had been announced. And I think we had originally scheduled maybe 45 minutes, and that turned into a two-hour uh, conversation. And that Zoom conversation was really the beginning of our relationship as colleagues and friends, a relationship that has been a sweet and nurturing gift to my spirit, especially as I have transitioned into the rhythms of senior pastoral leadership here. It has meant a great deal to me to have Violet as part of that journey. It's difficult for me to imagine Christ Church without her here, in fact. Violet's theological voice always inspires me to think more deeply. Her vision for justice always inspires me to see things more clearly. And certainly, her integrity always helps me to gain a deeper understanding of what it means to be authentically human. And I suppose that all of that is my way of reminding you, Violet, that we're really not ready to let you go. <laughs> and so we're not going to. Uh, we're not going to let you go, but we will send you forth. And that's something different. We will send you forth, and as we send you forth, we send a family that we love very dearly forth as well. We send Terrence forth. Terrence, we know you have much more ministry to accomplish, and that ministry is going to continue. We stand with you in that. Gabby and Noah, I don't know what I'm going to do without my vestry conversations before worship whenever you're with us, because quite frankly, that's how I got my best information about your family. That's how I got... That's how I got my best information about life in general. So we are sending you forth into new adventures, and we're really expecting you to come back. I'm expecting you to come back just to tell me a little bit about what's going on in your life. I'm counting on you for that. We love you as we send you forth. And remember that, that we don't send you forth generally. We send you forth holding you in our hearts, always with love and always with gratitude. And as Reverend Dr. Violet Lee enters the pulpit to offer the ministry of preaching to us once again, I'll simply invite you as a congregation to express your gratitude to her.
I'm going to hasten on with the sermon. I want to acknowledge a few important, everybody here is important, uh, but visitors to our church in just a little while. But in order to keep this moment together, I'm going to do what I'm assigned to do. Thank you for that introduction, Eric. I'm grateful to have had the privilege to serve alongside you for the time that you've been with us here at Christ Church. Now let us center for just a moment. Lift up with me the spirit of this prayer offered by a slave woman. Then hear, O God, thy work fulfill, and from thy mercy's throne, O grant me strength to do thy will and to resist mine own. For this is your servant's prayer, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. want you to consider as we continue in prayer throughout this time together, opportunities of a lifetime. Opportunities of a lifetime. Yesterday was the gathering for the commemoration and continuation of the important milestone for civil and human rights in this country. It was not within the realm of possibility that I could make the first march because I had not yet been born. However, I had hoped to be there with my children and my partner in the struggle, my husband, when I first learned of the announcement earlier this year. Regrettably, we were unable to attend after all because our household has just moved within this last week as we now take up residency in a new state. Additionally, I wanted to be right here with you. I needed to be here on this day, which marks the final day of worship as your executive program minister. You see, tomorrow will mark the 60th anniversary of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. As I reflected back upon this moment just last year, it was a Sunday indeed. I recall that as I stood to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, I said to this congregation the following, it was on this day in 1963, a century before that, that Abraham Lincoln had declared all persons free. And here in New York, volunteers gathered together and huddled for days, making more than 80,000 cheese sandwiches for the attendees of the march. Everyone knew it would be an opportunity of a lifetime. I even said to you on that day, no one was an outsider. The sheer humanity of all God's creation was not only a welcomed unifier, it was a scriptural imperative that guided Dr. King and all the demonstrators, volunteers, activists, organizers, every one of those nearly 250,000 attendees on August 28, 1963. Now today, as we examine the assigned lectionary reading for our scripture, we see another moment that causes us to reflect back. Yes, on the last couple of Sundays, I've been saying, my, 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 there's some good sermons coming forth in churches all around the globe. There have been great lections, and the preaching fodder is just laid bare for you. And I even vacillated between the Hebrew scriptures and the Second Testament. But I decided to relinquish Matthew because here in Exodus, I was arrested. 
You see, because on this, the 13th Sunday after Pentecost in the year of our Lord, 2023, we are reminded of another prophet of the Lord. His name was Moses. Our scripture this morning tells us about his family. You see, it is a story of his birth. Can you see it? A baby boy placed in a basket, flowing in a stream, and then found in a thicket of reeds, reeds on a riverbank. A woman nursing a child, a woman drawing a child out of water and holding him up to be named. He was, he was the son of Amram and Jochebed. He was from the tribe of Levi. He was the brother of Miriam and Aaron. We bless God today for Shipra and Pua in their refusal to carry out Pharaoh's unjust order to murder Israelite boys. We bless God today for the wisdom of his mother too because the act of shielding and covering her baby was considered outlaw. You see, this act went against Pharaoh's ruling. And so in defiance of Pharaoh's commands, comes from within his own house at the hands of his own daughter, Pharaoh's daughter, unbeknownst to her, acted decisively and brought about the unspoken reunion of this mother and this child. Yet it was the sister of Moses who recognized the moment. She was strategic in her plotting and was nimble enough in her thinking to improvise in a manner that liberated her little brother from the snare of the enemy. It was an undeniable moment that changed the trajectory of the baby's life. He was simply crying in a basket as it floated down the river. Miriam knew that it was an opportunity of a lifetime that God had presented in that moment. Miriam knew to act in that moment. She didn't convene a caucus. She didn't call together a committee. She didn't go and ask her superior. She didn't tally a poll. She didn't do any of those things, but she acted in a split second. I like that one scholar tells it this way. It's a courageous act of civil disobedience that changes history for one of the boys that is spared will be called Moses, and he will lead the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity. Oh my goodness, if Miriam had not acted. But Miriam knew this was an opportunity of a lifetime. Having been to that land in Northern Africa just before the pandemic, I'm still amazed by this biblical story. And I was caught up in our travels there, meandering about that North African country. My husband took me to explore the pyramids, temples, and other monumental architecture of ancient Egypt for our 10th wedding anniversary and my milestone birthday. I shall never forget our time cruising down the Nile River and visiting the Nubian village. In addition to all the explorations of that trip, I was just caught up by all of the biblical imagery coming to life in real time. And one thing is for certain, it brought to life all of the stories of baby Moses and the birth of our Savior, baby Jesus. Yes, it was truly, for me, an opportunity 
of a lifetime. I commend that trip to you. If you ever have the privilege of going to Egypt, please take the opportunity to do so. You might too experience it as an opportunity of a lifetime. And see, this text cannot be read without acknowledging the socio-cultural and geopolitical dynamics of that time. King Herod and his minions were up to no good as he sought to retain power. Yes, sounds familiar, does it not? Hmm. One preacher said this ancient text from Exodus echoes powerfully in our congregations, our nation, and our world. Issues of race and politics, religion and politics, gender and power, the war on terror, debates over immigration policy, the inequities of our global economy, congregational mission and hospitality to the stranger, and all manner of suffering and bondage that threaten the individuals and families with whom we minister. Yes, somebody else could see in this text that there's a lot more that's going on here. I see it as a true testament to the awesome power of God and women whose claim to self-advocacy and agency can set the course for righting some of the wrongs society has experienced by <clears throat> some of our male counterparts in the quest for power and dominance. Only some, only some. The Reverend Dr. Stacey Floyd Thomas, someone whom I consider a dear sister in the struggle for liberation and a friend, a professor of ethics at Vanderbilt Divinity, says of this text, she posits, although regarded as mere remnants of a larger story of liberation or the backstory to a greater saga, the text makes clear, to use womanist sociologist Cheryl Townsend Gypsy's words, that if it wasn't for the women, there would be no exodus, no Moses, no liberation of the children of Israel of which to speak. It was the guidance of an entire village of maternal women, mothering women, women who have helped to shape the course of our lives in the faith. These women who caught themselves outside of what was socially prescribed, women such as midwives, birth mothers, sisters, and other mothers that gave rise to the greatest liberation movement known to human history. Yes, there's an amen that goes right there. <laughs> and the midwives, Shipra and Pua, commanded by the king to kill the boys in stealth when they see one being born, protect the babies, and disguise their life-saving actions. In the ruse, they appeal to Pharaoh's own prejudices. Who kills the babies? Who kills the babies? Who kills the babies? Yes, even today, our babies are still being killed, shot up when going to school, hanging on to Big Mama's skirt as they go to the grocery store attending movies with their friends. And yet, we don't have the strength or courage to change gun laws. Who kills the babies? She saw an opportunity of a lifetime. And yes, the continuation of the fight for freedom and equality still exists 
We are not only seeking equality and fair pay for our employees, we see that voting rights have been eviscerated. Even the stories of our heritage and educational resources have been compromised since the banning of books began. So how are we to tell the story of why yesterday there was a march that is relevant for tomorrow if we can't go back and tell the story of why the march was important in the first place? The right to women's bodily autonomy have been eviscerated. So what am I saying? Our work continues, church. When I came to join you at Christ Church, it was clear to me that this was an opportunity of a lifetime. And yes, even now, it is a travesty that 60 years since the March on Washington, in many ways, we have fewer rights than we gained since that historic day. How did we get here? How did we get here? How did we slip back before the baby was placed in the basket, traveling along the river, before his sister came and rescued him from the snare of the evil one? Yes, as Miriam, tradition tells us, the older sister of Moses found him and knew that she was presented with something in that moment that could not be reversed. She grabbed hold of that moment. It was a carpe diem moment. She seized that moment because she understood that opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Yes, I thank God for the seven years that I've been here because when I received the call to come to Christ Church, after having served at Abyssinian Baptist for 16 years, I knew that this indeed was an opportunity of a lifetime. Church, I thank God for the God of liberation who continues to bring about moments, if not freedom in totality, moments that give us encouragement along the way, moments that encourage our hearts to stay the course and fight for justice and fight for freedom. I knew that it was an opportunity of a lifetime. And so now as I move forward in my ministry and as I commend you to the care and keeping of the only one, the Almighty, who is able to keep us all. I know that this too is an opportunity of a lifetime. And if I don't seize this, like Miriam with her brother, it may not come again. Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Go forward, church, and continue to serve God with gladness, seizing all the moments that the Spirit reveals, as the Gospel says, not flesh and blood, but the Spirit reveals our opportunities of a lifetime because these moments may not come our way again. <laughs>